This week, we thought we'd catch up with what happened at Seagraph Asia in December. Our listeners will probably be aware that Seagraph is an annual conference on computer graphics and interactive techniques. The main annual event takes place in the US and has been running since 1974. Seagraph Asia is a second annual conference that has been running since 2008 in countries throughout Asia. In December 2020, it was held online and included its first dedicated game track, although it had, of course, previously covered games in other tracks. The new game track was chaired by Ricard Grass. Now, for those of you with long memories, Ricard has a machinima background. He was part of the influential Amos Europe team. His film Silver Bells and Golden Spurs, which was filmed in Second Life, won a Mackie for Best Commercial Machinima back in 2006. And you can read more about that in Henry Lowood and Michael Nietzsche's uh, Machinima Reader. Uh, And he was also my technical advisor on the Machinima Europe Festival in 2007, and we've been friends ever since. So this is a great chance to discuss the latest developments in games covered at Seagraph Asia, um, with a Machinima hat on too. So, Ricard, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have a chance to talk to you. Um, I was going to ask, um, do you want to um, talk a little bit about what you've been doing since 2007? Um, it's a long time ago, uh, but I'll, I'll try to summarize. Uh, thanks for the intro. Thanks for, for the opportunity. It's just great to continue to be in touch, uh, not just with you personally, but also with, with the community. Um, so it's been, yeah, quite a long way um, in terms of work. Um, the one thing perhaps that would summarize it all is that like many, many of um, those who have started somehow doing machinima at an artistic or academic level, we ended up in the commercial world. And that's what I what I did. I started um, with using kind of um, out-of-the-box standard games. I then jumped into virtual worlds, such as Second Life, which connected me with the opportunities brought to us by, yeah, by the commercial sector, marketing agencies, research institutions. And then I ended up kind of taking on larger, larger projects. And, and then I joined a company that... Um, does a lot of those, including a lot of motion capture in the on the large side as well. Um, but that that's it. I I am and I have continued to be in touch with Machinima, though I said at a more commercial level. Yeah, and that's great. Um, you, I know you you've recently won a, a grant as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? That a very exciting project. What I did do is just that um, I guess that's um, in parallel to my work with with Machinima. But what one of the things that I have been doing is getting into virtual reality. Once again, as many of us, like you know, rest in peace, Hugh Hancock, who was uh, very interested in that area as well. Um, and I think it's a natural um, evolution. I think that the the fact that you know you enter into Machinima and you start playing with the language of video games and the language of film and then you i think by default you have a an understanding a relationship with the audience that is very unique because you know that usually those who are into machinima and watch machinima know the game that they they're watching um on screen so my point is that um that all is part and parcel of vr that understanding of the audience and the way how they interact they with content and and it is only natural that as i said some of us ended up there so i reduced my time at work to do a phd in in immersive media and one of the things that i wanted to do is explore how life experiences can happen in virtual reality and i, I won an award to conduct the research which basically allows what i call hosts to um 
let kind of manage a space and also manage audiences in, in, in live scenarios within 3D virtual worlds or otherwise. And when do we get to play with this? Uh, I don't know. It is it is research at the moment. So yeah. I, I have completed it and it looks good. Uh, apparently uh, the validation is fine, but uh, now is when development should, should go somewhere, yes. Excellent. Well, I look forward to having a look at this. Um, let's go back to Seagraph then, because um, as I said, I, you, you were chair of the, the games section this year, which is a, it's a really exciting role to have taken on. What games did you feature and, you know, how how do they help people make machinima? So the the remit and the opportunity was, uh, I mean, Ginny Chu, the conference organizer, said, um, "This is a new program. So what 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 do you think we should do?" And um, what I was given the chance to to take on that, which is a huge responsibility f- for many reasons. But the 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 key problem, the key challenge that came to mind is to try and portray the diversity of the games industry in just three three talks. So it is practically impossible to cover everything that's going on in esports and mobile and so on. But I did choose uh, Naughty Dog, um, um, the company that's behind The Last of Us 2. And I think that that game, it's not just that it's critically, you know, has been acclaimed, but also by audiences too, it is so beautiful. It reminds me of a lot of the work that I did with GTA back in the day. And I think it's ideal for Machinima. So Machinima was, was part of that program, but in a, in a, in a kind, of, kind of a parallel way. Mm-hmm. Unity was invited to deliver the workshops. And of course, one of the key parts of my program was inviting the guys behind the Unreal Fellowship. And perhaps, um, I'm not sure if I should explain what it is, but it, to me, it was the, the one thing that it's, directly tied with the Machinima community and, and that is a very, very exciting thing uh, that is going on in the in the games industry right now. And what were their thoughts about uh, where Machinima is going? Or virtual, they call it virtual production, don't they? Well, that's the thing um, that I think is a, I mean, technically speaking, we're probably talking about the same thing, but virtual production, let's not forget that it, it is as much about developing 100% 3D content, but it's also about hybrid stuff. So in other words, you would bring in the actors and the backgrounds would be uh, virtual. But um, never mind, the process is very similar. The, the the way how you would develop assets and move assets or think about camera angles and so on, it is very, very similar to Machinima. But there, there is one thing that I, that I think in terms of looking ahead, and it doesn't matter where this goes, but there's something about Machinima which is quite unique in understood in the old, old school sense, which is that when you do a machinima and you use an existing game, you immediately uh, tap into the the pop element of that game and how it plays in the minds of audiences. And mm. I think that's something that virtual production will never, never achieve. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you. As I'm much gonna... as I love it, and, and, I, and as much as I think it's a wonderful thing, to the point that I invited these guys to the panel to the to be one of the. Um, keynotes in, within the program. So, so with the uh, the mega is it mega grants or the the little grants that you were talking about there, it's it's called the Unreal Fellowship. They give ten thousand yeah. uh, US dollars and a month worth of training to anybody wanting to learn about how to use Unreal in for virtual production. And are they are they sort of looking at indie creators primarily and just upskilling? And and if they are, what are they looking to do with the people? that uh, go through the fellowship program so the they, they you mentioned they have a another program called the mega grants yeah which I, is thought, a, I was getting confused a, there sorry 
But no, it's good. It's good to say that obviously uh, Epic are committed to to all this um, to to supporting the gaming, the indie the indie um, game developers, and and that is a very very strong, very powerful, very big uh, grant scheme. The Unreal Fellowship it, it is just to answer your question. It's very very much about diversity. So when when I had Linda Selheim and Brian Paul, who are the people behind this program, um, they made a point about explaining that they wanted professionals because they had a few oscar winning people in their program as much as indie for indies from other types of industries as well like they had some some people from the theater world some traditional directors of photography um so it's a very exciting mix and i would recommend i would encourage anybody um to to have a go um but of course they they give you 10k for one month training so it's pretty competitive <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. Well, hundreds, isn't it? I've seen literally hundreds go for these grants. In fact, I only know one. Well, hang on. I know two people that have got them, which is quite, quite cool. And the work that they've produced is pretty stunning, I think. Um, so what in terms of the the specific software that you saw uh, through the uh, Seagraph Asia um, elements, what most uh, impressed you? Um, from a from a machinima point of view, other than you know big software packages like Unity or Unreal, um, so it's, obviously Unity and Unreal, it's just great to see that they are um, kind of trying to bring a lot of tools into in, on, onto the hands of of creators. And in that sense, um, it, when I introduced them in the different uh, talks, I did say that it was a dream come true, and I did mention that I had a machinima background when I said that. It is a dream come true to see commercial engines such as them bringing bringing this these powerful tools in into into the engines. Um, so, but that aside, there was something which kind of is not machinima, but I think it will interest um, most people who are in it into it. Is that uh, Ubisoft? Uh, and I didn't know this. They they had a, they have a research and development team in China led by uh, Alexis Roland. Um, and what they're doing is, or one of the projects they're working in, and they're working in many, many projects that serve the whole of the Ubisoft uh, head um, branches, is that they are looking into videos and they're turning them into animations, actually uh, mocap uh, compatible animations. So they are mm -hmm. concentrating in, in on animals to start with, and they automatically um, have programmed something that turns it into into um fbx files so it's it is a very very exciting development and of course the next step will will one day that is that um, we will see humans being uh you know transported from from video to virtual seamlessly at one point hopefully. so so this let me get this right this is creating a 3d asset from a, a 2d image is that what you're saying correct yeah brilliant yeah. and rigging it um, I wouldn't go that far, but it, it didn't work out of the box, but it's, it's one of these early projects and it is already being used. So despite of the tweaking, it's already exciting. But I think the one, one thing that I think you kind of, um, surprised you the most uh, or excited you the most when, when we discussed this was the fact that the Tigra of Asia, because it, the, the Asian brand, um, strand of things is actually populated by, companies from all over the world. And and mm -hmm. when Disney and ILM came to present, they have 
uh, unveil the way how they work, and that is, that is relevant for for machinima people in the sense that these these guys are building virtual worlds so that they can re- reuse the assets from one project and one feature to the next. That that I think is extremely relevant to our work. Mm. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, in many ways. There's, you can really see that there's been a big shift in the way that these games organizations think about um, the indie indie creator in the ways that they're going about developing the the tools and assets now. I mean, do you see a lot of um, different attitudes from these organizations towards, say, machinima specifically? Um, I think or do they just call tradition- it something different? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I think obviously they're not they're not bothered about the nomenclature, and they don't have to promote, you know, uh, certain things or certain behaviors. But but let's let's face it, the the way how the games industry has um, liaised with us and related to us has been very generous. So if you look back at the beginning, there was a lot of talk. I, rem- I remember seeing a lot of disclaimers in early machinima works of like. Uh, we don't intend to, you know, use the copyright for whatever reasons, blah blah blah. And you don't, you don't have to do that anymore. To the point that both software and hardware manufacturers they are embedding tools for social media sharing in, where in 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 both games, but also in consoles. So mm-hmm. that that is the is not so much about. Perhaps there is more awareness. Perhaps there is a more proactive attitude towards embedding features, but. All in all, um, I don't think I think we should be very, very pleased about how the games industry has welcomed our work. To be honest, yeah, yeah, I agree. What do you think is next in the world of machinima? Then, um, I mean, uh, we <laughs> sorry, big question. We, we, yeah, we, because because it's an it's an impossible. It it it. it it forces an impossible answer, which is that it is an evolving um, industry or market or uh, phenomenon, um, which is led, however, both by technology and by creativity. So you see that there are changes or, you know, the embedding of cameras or the virtual production we just discussed, which pushes things forward, um, the fellowship uh, and so on. But to me, the, exciting, the most exciting part is is the dialogue, is, is the way how anybody doing a machinima is establishing a dialogue with games from a different point point of view from a critical point of view mm. and i and i love that and i think that it doesn't matter so much about the technology we could do it in whatever way and, and maybe the the technology that i described before from ubisoft will change things in the long run but but to be honest there is something about machinima which which i particularly love which is the 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 strength of its pop element you if you love a game and you use it to create an animation, those who play that game will relate to your work. Yeah. And I think it's that celebration of um, that dialogue be- between art and games that is something very unique to us. And and you can look at it from a tech perspective, but you can also look at it from a purely art perspective and think that, well, Andy Warhol did something very similar when he repurposed uh, elements of um, pop culture, mm-hmm. even though it was food, and you can also refer to the work of the mashup artists like Eric Kleptones, who came to the Machinima Festival. Yeah, he did. I remember. And, yeah, yeah. And he did it. And he did it with music. So mm. that that's the dialogue that I think it's it's going to be um, our legacy. 
Excellent, excellent. Have you seen any great machinima films lately? Have you seen anything that you that really sort of titillates you? To be honest, I keep going back to the to the oldies. Do you? <laughs> um, yeah, because I I think there is something uh, very unique in in the in the puppetry, for example, that it's used um, in Red versus Blue, or when when you see these old video clips being made with old games that dance to hip hop tunes and are made by people using joysticks. I just find that part that and the and the and the numerous countless. Um, bags um that you find like people that get bags and put them together and that there's something kind of very very relaxing and very subvertive as well that i find in those videos and i watch them uh, in loops those ones yeah 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 i don't know if you saw um i i recently got sent uh red versus blue reincarnation in Fortnite, and it and it's the same <laughs> old tropes but, but just imported into Fortnite, um which i think is you know that's a very in, and the, and the video. There's only a couple of videos um, so far, but the videos have got millions of views, and I I, I just wonder how that uh, you know the the old and the new can be mixed together successfully, and what success might might look like. And obviously, you know, Rooster Teeth are a, a big commercial entity uh, in terms of the way that they're going about things, but to have kind of attempted to reinvigorate the old RVB stuff in Fortnite which clearly appeals to a, a different audience is a very interesting way to go. I think. Yeah. There's, there's one part of machinima I miss, but that's because it's hard to come across it really, which is the live aspect as well. Yes. Yes. Um, so when like I, I was mind, mind blown when I first, first heard about the, the ill clan, um, which, which to me was a surprise. It was doing machinima. I didn't know it was called machinima. I didn't know there was, there were other people doing it. And then here they were, these guys, you know, doing live stuff using games on stage. And that, that is mind-blowing. And not it hasn't been explored properly, I think. Um, and I would love to see more of that. Do you think, um, I mean, you know, when we talk about Unreal and the, and the way that Unreal is being used to do extended reality experiences or mixed reality experiences and what have you, do you see more of that coming into play with those kinds of those kinds of things. It brings to mind a project that I'm loosely involved with at the university at the moment, which is the audience of the future, um, Royal Shakespeare Company's um, uh, reincarnation of uh, Mids- uh, Midsummer's Dream. With mm-hmm. um, you know, so so there's a there's actors on the stage, and there's a virtual world there that the audience interacts with. Right, through the internet in this particular case but you know you've got both the real performers and the virtual working together to create that do you see a role for machinima in that as well um if you that's i mean from a technique technical perspective we're probably talking about a lot of uh, similar things being used mm. and crossed over but then i i'm not sure to which point is machinima anymore mm. um but but there is something since we're mixing it now with the live aspect, it it all gets complicated. Not just from a delivery perspective, but also from a Uncanny Valley perspective. And I'm and I'm talking about Uncanny Valley as an emotional um, concept. So I saw a presentation by Magic Leap and uh, a couple of years ago at Gamescom, and they said that the Uncanny Valley is not something visual anymore. It should be understood also in emotional terms. So if you grab a a three D character. 
and you put it in a room and you can see him or her or it through your glasses. And if, if they don't react to, to your input and to you saying hi or let's shake hands or something, then you start getting, or if, if you want to, you know, if they want to fight you or you want to fight them or whatever, if they don't react in a, in, the, in a way that is consistent and makes sense, then you enter in this in this um, emotional uncanny value situation. And mm-hmm. This is something to be aware of in that scenario. But then again, it's something which, yeah, as a machine makers, maybe we would be more accustomed to to managing these things. But it's kind of a different thing altogether. Very interesting. Um, well, I'm conscious we've been speaking to you for quite a while now. So um, just like to say thanks very much for talking to us and look forward to hearing more about your projects. Thanks a lot, Ricard. Thank you, Tracy, and congrats on the podcast. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Cheers. Bye.